We started a series a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, talking about building a tower. Now, we're not actually going to build a tower here, but all of us are building a life and our family and even a church. And uh, But uh, the Bible tells us that <clears throat> some people will build and their building will collapse. It will fall. Other people will build and that building will stand and it will stand really for the glory of God. So we're talking about how to build a life that lasts, one that stands. There's nothing much sadder when we, than when we hear about somebody who has collapsed spiritually or morally and they've fallen into, uh, and their life has been wrecked. And they've just been ruined. And that happens a lot of times. We talked about that some in Sunday school this morning. But the Bible tells us in the book of Second Peter that it is possible to build a life that will never fall. In fact, listen to this verse in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. He says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, in other words, as opposed to what's been said before, give diligence... To make your calling and election sure. That is to make sure of your salvation. For if you do these things. Now the, these things are in the verses that precede that. And we're going to be looking at those one by one over the next few weeks. But if you do these things. You will never collapse. You will never fall. You will never stumble. The word actually the word there, the Greek word there, is the word that means collapse. You will never fall. So it's important for us to understand what those things are, and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So let me uh, say, first of all, that we said last week there is a foundation. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ? Here's what we said. Well, can't move around today, okay? Uh, I'm going to, if I step aside, everybody go this way and motion me back to the microphone, okay? <clears throat> but we said last week, the foundation is essential. And the foundation is our confident, assured faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus really does love you? He really does love you. How much? How much does he love you? When we were, when our kids were little, you know, we'd say, we love you this much, you know, or we love you to the moon and back, or we love you. Listen, God's love, the Bible says, it is no one can even comprehend the height and the breadth and the length and the depth of it. It's so great. You know, so many people have the idea that God is mad, that God's angry. Well, the Bible tells us that God delights. God is a happy God. In fact, I had, I met with 15 five-year-olds a few years ago, and I asked all of them, I said, when I count to three, I want you to make the face that you think that God has when he looks at you. 
and I'd give a little bit of background to it. So I counted three, and every one of those five-year-olds made an angry face. They all looked like that or something like that. And I said to them, that's not the face of God. I said, God is a happy God. God is a joyful God. Everything God has done, he's done it out of the overflow of wonderful, delightful fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is not angry. God is a happy God. And you know, those kids could not comprehend of a happy God. But I'm telling you, the Bible teaches that God delights in you. He loves you. He calls you things like his treasure, his precious, special diamond. And the Bible says in the book of Malachi that when he returns, he comes to gather his jewels. My goodness, God loves you. And that is the foundation. The foundation is not the foundation of thinking, well, I've got to work hard and do good things and try real hard. I've got to make God like me. No, God likes you. He not only <laughs> loves you, he even likes you. You know some people that you love but you don't like, but God's not that way. God loves you and God is on your side. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I just tell you, God is in your corner, folks. God loves you. That's the foundation that you have to build upon. And, and all through the Bible, it just runs from the very beginning. Right after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God immediately made them coverings. And he gave them a promise that the day is coming when the, the seed of the woman, although he would be struck with a fatal wound in his heel, that he would crush the serpent's head. And all through the Bible, the promise is that God loves his people and he loves you so much. Now, you know, some people say, well, well what about when we sin? Doesn't God hate sinners? No, God hates sin, but Jesus came to die for sinners. He loves us. The reason he hates sin is because of what it does to us. And if you understand sin, you know that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That the way of the transgressor is hard. God hates sin because it hurts those that he loves. And so that's the foundation. We lay this foundation of faith in God, trust in him that he loves us, that he sent his son to die for us, that Jesus paid our debt on the cross, that he rose victoriously from the dead, and that he has given eternal life to those who trust in him. And that's the work that God does. That's the foundation that we build on. Amen? All right. That was a weak amen. Amen? Amen. amen. All right. That was still a weak amen. But uh, <clears throat> it was a little stronger than the first one, so I'll take it. And uh, 
Since you don't have a microphone. I don't either. Uh, okay. Now, the Bible then talks about that once the foundation is laid, and by the way, God does that. God lays the foundation. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid for us. That's through Jesus Christ. But then, after the foundation is laid, we start to build. And we build on that foundation. And listen. Now, listen to this in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. That's, uh, that's in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, if you're uh, wanting to put that on the screen. There we go. If anyone builds on this foundation, that is the foundation of faith in Christ, and we're all building, it's just that we're building with different things. Some are building with gold and silver and precious stones. Some are building with wood and hay and straw, kind of like the three pigs we talked about last week, okay? And then he says in verse 13, each one's work will become clear. Now, sometimes they become clear in life, don't they? But the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each man's work of what sort it is. So every one of us are building and every building is going to be tested to see what the building materials are. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. In other words, if you are saved, then you are saved. But you don't want to just be saved. You want to build a saved life that brings glory to God and a sense of reward to you as well and to other people. It'd be like somebody, you know, I, I had somebody say to me one time, well, you know, I don't really care, uh, you know, just so I make it into heaven. I was trying to challenge them to get, get some things out of their life that was uh, obviously not supposed to be in their life. And they said, well, you know, I don't particularly care about living a godly life. I just want to know for sure that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And I said, that is ridiculous. I said, let me ask you a question. Let's say, suppose you're in your house one night, and this guy had a couple of children and, and a wife, <clears throat> and you uh, wake up in the middle of the night, and you smell smoke, and you look around, and you see that the house is engulfed in flames, and you try to get out, but you can't. The way is blocked, and then you look, and you see that a section of the wall has already fallen out, just a little section, and you dive through that section of the wall, roll out into the grass, just as the house collapses, and you hear the cries and screams of your wife and your children. I said, would you get up, brush yourself off, and say, well, all that matters to me is that I got out okay. He said, well, no. I said, 
then why in the world would you think that it's okay just to live your life in such a way that all you want is just to go to heaven when you die and think about all the collapsing around you? And he said that illustration helped him. I hope that it did. But every one of us is building on a on the foundation, but what we're building, will it last? Will it stand? That's the question. So here's the foundation we're building on. It says back in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, the first few verses that we read last week, it says that God has provided us with divine power from him. So don't ever say, well, I don't have the ability because God has given you the ability. God has given you his own power as his divine power has given to us how much? What? What's the next two words? All things. Are y'all here this morning? Okay. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to to life, that salvation, he's given us all we need for salvation, for eternal life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So it says he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. He's called us by his own glory and virtue, and then he has given us exceeding great and precious promises and through which we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's, that's the foundation. We believe that. But then he says in verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And then he's going to add about seven things here. So this is, this is where we are today. Just looking around, making sure everybody's awake. Okay. All right. We can't, there's some things we can't do. We can't save ourselves. So that's the foundation. God saves us by grace, through faith. But there are some things after we're saved that God himself will not do for us. There, and I know it's a little bit dangerous here to even say this because some people are going to misunderstand it. We are not saved by works for sure, but we are saved unto good works. In other words, God saves us not because of anything we do. He has done it all. He has done it all. But... Now that we are saved, he says, now don't just say, praise God, I'm saved. Now you add to your faith, you add to your faith certain things. That's our responsibility. We cannot do what God does for us. But God will not do for us what he tells us to do. Does that make sense? All right. That makes sense? Okay, good. Uh, 
I, I'm, I'm dropping the bar here. All, all I'm, all I'm requiring now is just a nod. You don't even have to say amen. Just, just a nod will do. Okay, come on. So, so what we can't do is provide salvation. God does that. We receive that by faith. But now we are to add some things to our faith. And if we add these things, listen, if we add these things, the Bible says we will never fall. You want to have a tower? Do you want to have a life that will absolutely stand no matter what kind of pressures, what kind of temptations, what kind of struggles come? Do you want to have that kind of life? Yes. I know you do. So, so how do we do that? Well, he says, add to your faith. And he says, giving all diligence. In other words, this is a serious, serious thing, giving all diligence. This is a, a Greek word that means to do it with, with passion and with eagerness and with, with haste. It means to really, really go for it. And uh, a lot of Christians today just aren't giving much diligence to these things. Their, their focus is on... Uh, on a hundred other things. And that's one reason they don't give much diligence to adding these things to their life. But if you add these things, it will pay off in strength and permanence. So he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And the very first thing is, what's that word? Virtue. Virtue. Now, what's a virtue? <laughs> That's a pretty good question, isn't it? Virtue in, uh, is that which causes a person to live with integrity and faithfulness and confidence and certainty and determination and passion. That's what virtue does. All these qualities are rooted and grounded in the foundation. In other words, we don't, we're not saved because we have virtue. We add virtue because we're saved. There are people who think if I live a good, clean, moral life, then God will be pleased with me and God will take me to heaven when I die. That's not the case. That is not the case. There are People, there are non-Christian people. This is confusing to a lot of folks, but there are non-Christian people, some of them, who live a very, very morally clean life. And when they die, they will not go to heaven because we do not go to heaven because of our goodness. We go to heaven because of Christ's sacrifice for us and our faith in him. So it's important that you understand that. I don't want you to misunderstand. This whole series could be misunderstood, but understand the foundation is what everything rests on, and we add virtue. How do we add virtue to our life? And let, what, is, what is a virtuous life? 
what does what does virtue look like? What if you say that he's a man of virtue, he's a woman of virtue? What does that mean? Or if you say I want to I want to add virtue to my life, because this the Bible that's the very first thing. The word, the Greek word for virtue means excellence, uh, particularly moral excellence. Purity of heart, purity of mind. It's a, the idea of, of cleanliness and moral purity, moral excellence. It's really important in our day today. It always has been important, but it's especially important today. Back in the 60s, our nation as a whole went through a revolution. And uh, it was actually even called the sexual revolution. Some of us remember those days. I was in college during those years. And uh, it was the playboy philosophy that permeated college campuses and mainstream even media in America. And there began to be this idea that moral purity that there should be no there should be no restrictions on uh, sexual thought and deed and behavior and uh, I talk to a lot of young people today who have been so affected and infected by the thinking that grew, has grown out of the last 50 years, that they say, we just don't see anything wrong with being promiscuous. We don't see anything wrong with sexual behavior outside of marriage or even uh, sexual Involvement with multiple people and things like that. Virtue says, I want to determine what God has said about morality and I want to practice it. I want to make it a part of my life. And the idea of moral purity today does not have the same force in Christians' lives as it had 40 or 50 years ago. You think that's true? Yeah, I think it's true. And uh, television programming today... uh, there are things that are watched by millions of Christians on television that had their parents seen that same thing 40 years ago, they would have thrown a rock through the television. They would have gotten rid of the television. They would have said, I, I can't believe 
This stuff is coming into our house. And I know there are going to be some that leave here today and say, well, the preacher was being real legalistic today. I, I, this is not legalism. This is protection for you. You would not run your septic tank into your kitchen to be your cooking water and drinking water. You wouldn't do that. Because for one thing, he'd kill you. Stink pretty bad, too. But there are a lot of people that are allowing uh, filth, moral filth, to come into their minds and into their eyes day after day after day. Now, I'm just telling you, you cannot do that and build a life that will stand. It will affect everything about you. It will affect your character. It will affect your marriage. It will affect all your relationships. It will affect your integrity in other areas. So that's why he says the first thing you have to add is virtue, a determination to understand what God says is pure and what God says is impure and to lay those impure things aside and pursue that which is pure. So how do we add virtue to our life? One is by believing the truth, that is reading the word. Say, what does God say? For instance, God says, flee Fornication. God says to avoid certain things. But then the main way is by pursuing what is right. Listen to this passage in Hebrews, I mean in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. By the way, this is a verse that I usually give to young men who are about to go into the ministry, maybe. But you, O man of God, but by the way, it's true for women, too. But you, O person of God, flee these things, and he's just talked about immorality and all kinds of things like that. Flee these things and pursue, chase after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, Patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Listen, I am telling you to live a clean life in a dirty world is a battle. It is a battle. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, if I was 70-something years old, you know, and everything, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I could, well, look, I'm still having to fight the fight of faith. It's not something you outgrow. You have to fight to keep your mind 
your heart, your words, your life clean, virtuous, is something you have to pursue. You chase after it. You don't just coast. You pursue these things. I said last week or week before last, we don't overcome temptation by fighting temptation. We overcome temptation by focusing on something that is so much better. And that's why he says, pursue righteousness. Chase after it. Make right living your goal. Don't say, I'm living always in a defensive posture. No, I'm living in an offensive posture. I'm not living to just fight wrong things. I turn my back on those and I'm chasing right things. And that's the way we add virtue to our life is by exchanging values. Listen, just two other passages of Scripture. Ephesians 4, 22 and, and 24. Put off your old self. Put off concerning your former conduct the old self, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. By the way, there is still in you that potential to do every kind of possible sin. So you have to put that off, lay it aside. And then verse 24 says, And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now if you want to see how that works, go to uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 5 through 10. You, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on this earth, fornication, uncleanness. The word passion there means sinful passion, passion for things that are evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It says you have to lay these things aside. You have to put them to death. You have to, you have to lay them aside. In verse 7, I mean verse 6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you are to put off all these, put them off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And then go ahead and jump down to verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection or completeness. So how do we add virtue to our life? We say, I'm on the foundation of knowing that God loves me, knowing that I belong to him. Now I'm going to believe his truth, and I'm going to pursue righteousness, godliness, and I'm going to exchange the old for the new. I'm going to lay aside all the, all the dirty things, and I'm going to put on the new. There have been times when I'd be out working in the yard, and uh, I'd get all hot and sweaty, but I'd have a wedding later that afternoon. So I come in from the yard, and my clothes are dirty, stinky, all kinds of stuff, and I do physically what this is talking about doing spiritually. I put off all the old dirty stuff, and I get clean, and then I put on my clean clothes. That's the picture that he's given here. He says, if you want to add virtue to your life, then look at the things in your life that the Bible says are not good for you. They hurt you. And you lay that aside. I'm just going to lay it aside. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But it's not enough to just lay the bad aside. You don't want to run around without anything on. You've got to put on, you've got to put on that which is clean and pure. So it's an exchanging of values. So I just challenge you today, listen, God loves you so much that he says, I want out of your life all the stuff that I know is going to hurt you. I know all the stuff that's going to do you harm. And I love you so much, I don't want to see you harmed. And in fact, I want to give to you stuff that's going to just bless your socks off. Stuff that's going to make you so happy. Stuff that's going to make your life have purpose and meaning and permanence and reality. But he's not going to do that for you. You have to make that choice. And the thing about it, he will let you keep stuff that's going to harm you. But it'll harm you. It will harm you. You cannot practice wrong things and have a blessed and spiritually prosperous life. You can't do it. But if you do these things, he says, add virtue to your faith, then... He says, you will not be barren and unfruitful 
in spiritual things, and you will never collapse. So my call to us today is to take a good look at our life, our habits, what we see, how we act, what we do, and say, are there things in my life that God says I need to lay aside? And I choose today to lay those things aside, and then I'm going to add to my faith virtue, moral excellence, purity of heart, cleanliness of action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you have called us to a life of blessedness. You want to see us as happy in Jesus as we can possibly be. So you've given us clear direction that there are things that even though they would be fun and even though they would 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 give pleasure for a season, that in the long run they weaken what we're building and they cause the walls to clap, collapse and crumble. And I pray that you'll give us wisdom today to know how to add to our faith virtue. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week. And may the Lord richly bless you.